I, who, who, who all here is happy that 2021 is over with? <laughs> it's not just me. It seems like, it seems like that, that from, from 20, 2019, it's just been a blur. Is it just me? It's just been a blur from 20, it went from 2019, 2020, 2021. And the older you get, the faster it goes. And I'm not that old. At least the young ones think I am, but uh, it just happens really, really, really quick the, the longer it goes. Hey, there's a couple things I do want to mention myself. For one, I want y'all to be prepared for small groups. Small groups are going to start in February. Small groups starting in February, we will have several different types of groups, including the Freedom Small Group, but we will be having small groups during February. Also, I am asking that y'all do me a favor, the entire church, and pray about our youth. Pray about our youth. On Friday nights at 7 o'clock, we have youth service. Do me a favor. If you want to help or support that at all, please see Chelsea. Chelsea, raise your hand in case y'all don't know who that is. She's absolutely awesome. Y'all give her a hand. Give Chelsea a hand. Going through it. Miranda and I were riding down the road, and we were talking about, like, you know, the, the New Year's resolutions. Anybody, raise your hand if you have New Year's resolutions. Like, if you make them every year, like, you don't know whether you're going to keep them or not. Okay, it's just, it's just me and you, Danielle. <laughs> New Year's resolutions. And, 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 and the conversation happened, and she said, you know what? If there's anything that I would love to see us have in 2022, it is an attitude of gratitude. An attitude of gratitude. And I looked at her, I said, you know what, I like that so much, I'm going to preach on it Sunday. So thank you for my, uh, my, my, my sermon, baby. I appreciate it very much. Hey, can we all stand for just a moment? Before we go any further, I want to pray. Pentecostal background, the P in Pentecost stands for popcorn. It means up and down. If you came from the Catholic Church, you're already used to it, so calm down. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity that we have together together. I pray, Jesus, that your anointing would be here. I pray, dear God, that somebody would leave differently than the way that they came. In Jesus' name, I pray that you would help. Everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated. Attitude of gratitude. Now, I don't know if y'all caught it, but we had some new stuff in service. They had a new countdown, a new bumper video. They had two new songs. Come on, somebody. Like, y'all don't know how much work goes in on Thursday night when they show up and practice. We got... Some folks out this morning. Kyle is out this morning, our acoustic, our, uh, acoustic guitar player. He's a pilot, and he's flying in. He actually uh, was not able to get back to Pensacola till 1 o'clock. And I will say this also. Kurt Bell's mother-in-law is not doing well, needs prayer. They're out. All of the work that you have, and, and, and trust me, the general public and the church does not know how much work goes into creating a service. It's a lot. There's a lot of things that happen during the week that nobody really knows about to get it together. But I, 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 whenever I look at the song list today, I said we get some blues clues as to what as to what the 2022 is going to look like. They they we have songs that have come out recently to try to help in in to encourage our attitude of gratitude. Million Little Miracles. Who all here knows that song? I absolutely love that song. They had one today. Gratitude was a song they sang today. All things new. Some, some, we, we, we love to have new things, and, and, and during this season, we get to talk and look a lot about new things and about how that we can change our attitude. If there is anything that God could help me with in 2022, it's my attitude. <laughs> I can just be honest. Maybe y'all won't be that honest about yourselves, but some of y'all here need some prayer about your attitudes too. Amen. The truth is, it's not that we are not grateful. It's 
that we forget. Anybody here other than me just forget sometimes? Like, I forget, I forget things, and, and, and the memory that we have is not what it used to be with age. Miss Barbara, it's good to see you this morning. I haven't hugged you yet. Don't leave before I hug you. It's, it's something that happens with age, and, and, and I'm, I'm 40. Some of y'all here is a little bit older than 40. Some of y'all's doubled 40. And I would imagine, Mike, I'm looking at you, but I would imagine that the older you get, the harder it can get to remember things. Age, time. But the truth is, is that we remember the things that we should forget. And we forget the things that we should remember. We remember the things that we should forget, and we forget the things that we should remember. You don't believe me, then look at social media. If somebody makes a comment about your honey boo-boo, you won't forget it. But there could be 19 people that said, I'm so happy that y'all are together. She's so sweet. He's so wonderful. He's such a hard worker. And the one goofball that shows up and says something negative, you remember that one. And you can't get rid of it. It hangs on. It hangs on. It's something about the things that we should forget we can't. And we seem to forget the things that we should remember. Compliments are forgotten, but complaints are remembered. We remember the things that we should forget. And we forget the things that we should remember. The truth is, is I don't want you to forget the things that God wants you to remember. I don't want you to forget the things that God may have done for you in your past. I don't want you to forget the things that God wants you to remember. We're going to be in Mark, the 8th chapter. If you have your Bibles, by all means, turn with me to Mark, the 8th chapter. We're going to be reading from the 14th to the 21st verse. Jesus is talking to his disciples about something that they forgot. Even disciples of Jesus forgot. He's telling them something. He said, I, I, there's something you forgot, but I want you to remember. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. Mark chapter 8, beginning at verse 14. The disciples, the Bible said, had forgotten to bring bread. Huh. A friend of mine's dad went out to get bread and didn't come back for two years. But the disciples had forgotten to bring bread. Except for one loaf they had with them. By the way, his name was Tarzan. My little blues clues there. <laughs> Tarzan, if you're watching, I love you. I'm glad you came back. He is a friend of mine. Maybe not after today. This may be the thing he doesn't forget. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread. Except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. What? Jesus ever spoke something to you before and you're like, what? I wasn't that one talking. I'm hungry. They discussed this with one another and said, it is because we have no bread. He's talking about the politics and, okay, whatever. You're Jesus. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Well, it's because we just said we ain't got no bread. Do you still not see or understand? In case you don't know, whenever Jesus asks a question, it's not because he don't know. <laughs> He's waiting for you to catch up. That's, that's the reason why he asks questions. Are your hearts hardened, he asks. Do you have eyes but fail to see? Do you have ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? Don't you remember? Remember, 
Verse 19, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets fulls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke seven loaves for the 4,000, how many baskets fulls of pieces did you pick up? They said, seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? Now, this story is one that you can get to the end of and go, I still don't <laughs> understand. Is it just me? Like, somebody asked me a question this morning, and I was like, I've never studied that. Have y'all ever read something in the Bible before and be like, cool, now I don't get it. <laughs> That's the reason why I don't study as much in the King James Version as I used to. Because the these and thous become theys and thems. And whenever you get it to Leviticus and the begats, I'm like, Jesus, really? Why was this important? They didn't understand. Now, I'm looking forward to 2022 because simply this, it's not 2021 <laughs> and it's not 2020. <laughs> that gives me enough reason right there to look forward to it. You know, we've come through a time that's created more questions than answers. Anybody here other than me? Like politically, what are they doing? I got no clue. You know, what, what we, what's going on here? We got no, it's created more questions than it has answers. It's created more complexities than it has clarity. I used to know what I was doing on Monday. Now I got no clue. Am I working at home? Am I, am I at the house? Like, am I, am I at the new cubicle in the office at, in the barn? Like, I got no clue what's going on here. Complexities than clarity. We're trying to figure out if we send our kids to school, if we're homeschool teachers. Trust me, the homeschool route's tough. Ask my wife. We tried it. Wouldn't advise it if you were kids, for the record. Am I an office worker? Am I working from home? The year of 2020 with words that ring clear of vision created a loss of focus and clarity. Whenever 2020 hit, preachers everywhere, God's going to send 2020 vision in 2020. He did. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't the vision we expected. <laughs> There was some clarity that happened, as in you can be shut down, and people can pitch a fit. And let me, let me go ahead and throw this out there, and I said it when we were up here earlier. For the record, I don't care how bad corona gets. I don't have uh, Omicron, Tetron, whatever, whatever they come I don't care how bad it gets. I think my mic just quit. There it goes. I don't care how bad it gets. For the record, this church will not be closed. Yeah. Ever. I ain't closing. If a government comes in and tells me you got to shut down, I'll say, great, I'll be there Sunday morning. If they put me in handcuffs, y'all wave and smile, boys, because I'll still be there preaching on Sunday morning. Not doing it again, ever. Complexities, questions, and answers. But because of the clarity, we began to, what I like to do like this and say, pray. Now, the church gets confused between praying and complaining. Sometimes what we call prayer is really just, God, what are you doing? And God's going, are you going to pray or gripe? Pick a, pick a lane, son. But we like to pray, and really and truthfully, we're just complaining. What are you doing, Jesus? Lord, what's going to happen next? Who's going to rule? When we have discomfort, we also have the habit of placing blame. Whenever things get uncomfortable in our lives, in our relationship, think about it. You don't believe what I'm saying? Ask your spouse. Ask your best friend. Ask your son or your daughter. Whenever things get uncomfortable, the go-to first is to, I don't, I, I don't know, this is not my fault, is to complain. 
I think that there are people who prayed for 2020 and 21. They said, God, I want to I go deeper. Lord, I, I want to do more. God, I want to understand clearer. God, I want more. But there is a mental and a spiritual separation between what we ask and how that God answers our prayers. It's, it's pretty often as a pastor that somebody comes to me and they say, Pastor, I prayed for this and God didn't answer my prayer. It may not be that God didn't answer your prayer. It may be that God did answer it, just not the way that you thought he was going to. Days a thousand years. God may intend to answer that prayer when you're 80. He may, he may know that, that that deficit or whatever you're fighting is the thing that's keeping you on your knees. And, and he needs you to be in communication with him. Because God didn't answer your prayers in the fashion that you want does not mean that God is not a prayer answering God. That means that God has intended a plan for your life that is orchestrated by him and not by you. It's a difference in the two. God, I don't want to go deep with you. My favorite sign in a hotel. Y'all you know, you know when you go to a hotel, I have a favorite sign. Every time I go there, it's a little tag that you get to put on the door and it says simply this. Do not. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Why? Because I got kids. <laughs> I got lots of them. I wish that I could put a sign on my door that said, do not disturb. But I want you all to know something. Rue, God bless her. She knows how to unlock my bedroom door. And she can do it faster than what you can with any key. She'll pick up anything because, you know, the people that created the doors, they put that little slot on the outside that's supposed to be childproof. Yeah, not my children. And during the middle of the night, you can be in the worst dream, and all of a sudden you hear my door open. And for the record, if y'all don't have daughters, having daughters is like, it's, 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 it's equivalent to living in a nudist colony for little people. At 4 a.m., I don't need to know that you peed to bed. I need you to go back to sleep, get on the floor, something, leave me alone, I'm trying to sleep. That was not in my notes. Do not disturb. That's where I was at. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> but the truth is, is that God wants, no, actually God needs to disrupt you. God needs to disrupt you. You think that you got it planned out, and sometimes God says, hey, you got a great plan. <laughs> Let me stick my finger in the middle of it. God, I'm good. Who, anybody here ever said that to God? God, I'm good. Lord, you can just stop. Whatever this is, this battle I'm fighting, Lord. You just stop. God, I'm good. It's the battle cry of the disrupted. God, I'm good, Lord. That's enough. God, though I believe, wants to take you and look at your neighbor and tell him this, my title today, from good to great. Look at your neighbor tell him, say, from good to great. Now look at your other neighbor and tell him, say, you look great. If you lied, there'll be an altar call later. You can come. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine, can you imagine being a disciple? Jesus is telling this story. Jesus, what can we do today? What are we doing today? Jesus, we're going to comfort. Jesus looks at him and says, look, we're going to comfort. We're going to comfort the disturbed, and we're going to disturb the comforted. If you could sum up the ministry of Jesus, that's really what he did. He, he, he comforted the disturbed, and he disturbed the comforted. And generally, the comfortable people that he was disturbing was church people. <laughs> Pharisee. I'm going to challenge everything you think, bud. Oh, you're the sinner? I love you. What are you doing? Like, I'm the one living for you. Why aren't you loving me? Anybody here ever felt like that? 
I don't know too many people that's in church that won the lottery. It's the sinners. I'm like, God, why? Just one saint, Lord. For the record, I don't play the lottery, so that's probably why I've never won it. That kid thing, okay, same thing again. No extra money, not happening. Can you imagine being a disciple, though, and living with this guy who likes to disrupt people? They put out a do not disturb sign. He says, nope, <laughs> I'm here. We have a thing about comfort, and we'll break rules to be comfortable. You don't believe me? Who all here, raise your hand if you use a Q-tip. Okay? That Q-tip on the box, it says, do not insert into your ear canal. What's the first thing you do when you get that Q-tip in your ear? As far as you can go, bud. Why do we do that? Because it feels good. <laughs> you shouldn't make a Q-tip that feels good in my eardrum if I shouldn't put it in there and then put a warning label on the box. We, we, we are creatures of comfort. It feels good, and we will break rules <laughs> if it feels good. We'll break biblical rules. Mm. Neither adulterers, fornicators, lovers of themselves, the effeminate shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. There's scripture for it, but you know what? In today's world, if we have political reasoning as to, reason, as to why, and I see religion, I see the church look at scriptures such as that. It says, shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. But at some point, we want to be comfortable enough with a neighbor. We don't want to offend somebody. So because of that, we'll look at it and say, you know what? Sin is only sin for a season, but God, the love of God, it lasts forever. We'll ignore the warning label of the word of God so that we can live in comfort. I'm not here to beat you up this morning. Calm down. Some of y'all just got tied up. <laughs> Q-tips in your ears will bypass the written word to do what feels good. God is in the business, though, of letting, and the younger group will get this, the older will not, the ratchet be remembered. He'll let the bougie be broken. He'll let the sinner know that they can be a saint. God is in the business of disrupting people. We get confused, though. We get confused when it's Jesus talking. And whenever God speaks to you, this is the best way I can put it, is that even whenever Jesus was alive and walking the face of the earth, people got confused because he was fully God and fully man. And sometimes when he would open his mouth, both came out. It's like, who are you right now? I don't know if you're trying to be Jesus to me or if you're trying to be God manifest and robed in flesh. Because right now, I know y'all are one, but I'm confused. Which one are you? Who's speaking to me right now? Fully man and fully God. John chapter 1 verse 4, he says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You get confused about who he is though. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9, For in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Philippians 2 and 7, But... He made, he made, made, but made himself of no reputation and took upon the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. John chapter 20, verse 28. And Thomas answered to him and said, My Lord and my God. John said, I see both. But whenever God is communicating, sometimes it's difficult to understand which. Are you speaking to me as the flesh? come to earth? Are you speaking to me as the spiritual aspect of who you are? Who are you? 
We get confused. We don't know when it's man and when it's God. John chapter 2, the Bible says, it's a story that I love so much, the very first miracle in the Bible, and all the people who came out of Catholicism and like to live on the edge love this story because it's a story when Jesus made Pinot Noir. I don't know that it was. I figured it was better than that probably. It's Jesus. Come on, man. Whenever Jesus turns the water, you got to think they run out of wine. Right? This is what happens. They're, they're there. They run out of wine. And Jesus' mother comes to him and says, hey, we're out of wine. And he looks at her. And this is how I know that Jesus was a boss. Because he looked at her. He said, woman. Some of y'all seen my mama. She's this tall. I'd have never made it past that statement. I'd have woke up on the floor to be able to complete the rest of what I wanted to say. He said, woman, it's not my time. And I love the fact that sometimes even Jesus' mother didn't know when he was being Jesus when he was being God. Because she looked at the rest of them. She didn't even address it. She said, look, just do whatever he says. Anybody here ever been that way? God, just whatever. I, I don't know what you're doing. Whatever, just, just whatever. Let me know what you, I'll do whatever. Just let me know what it is. Need out of where I'm at? Just let me know and I'll do it. That's what Jesus' own mother says. Look, just, but the truth is, is that Jesus made that statement because he was not speaking as Jesus, but he was speaking as God. What was it that he knew? What was it that he understood that we don't? He understood that, that, that whenever you go to a wedding back then, it was the groom's job to supply the wine. And he knew, as we find out in the Bible, that he is the bread of life. And he knew that the wine was his blood. And he knew that there would come a day whenever he would have to stretch his arms and blood would flow. And he knew that the blood had to be enough to cover all of the sin. He knew that you would be the bridegroom of him. He is the bride. We are the bride. He is the groom. And, and, and he, he somewhat took offense to it because all of a sudden he felt like you're not speaking to Jesus, but you're, you're speaking to the spiritual aspect of who I am. You're speaking to the oneness. You're speaking to, to what's going to happen in my future, and you're telling me that my blood's not going to be enough. Woman, what are you saying? My time has not yet come. Jesus, changing. He's the groom. With this understanding, whenever we look at Mark chapter 8, he's telling them that you're looking for bread, but the bread is already on the boat. That's the simply, if, if he, he could have looked at him and said, hey, you're looking for bread, but the bread, sunbeam right here. The bread is already on the boat. John chapter 6, verse 35. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Jesus is saying, you're looking for bread while looking at bread. That's what he's telling them. You're looking for bread while looking at bread. Some people, I believe, come to church looking for God while looking at God. Some people get on their knees next to their bed and they're praying to God while God is actually already there. I, I, I don't like it whenever we, we come into worship and people say, let's invite the presence of the Lord into the building. No, he's already here, honey. <laughs> the bread has already arrived. The problem is, is you ain't ready to eat it. <laughs> that wasn't in my notes either. Now, the first warning that he gives, though, about the bread, and I thought this kind of comical, is about yeast. He starts talking about yeast. I'm sure this is the point where they're like, what, what are you talking about? Yeast. We were talking about bread. We ain't going to make it. We're in a ship. 
You know, like we don't have, this is not, this is, we're not ready for this. What is yeast though? Yeast is simply this, it's a fungus. Look at your neighbor and say, there's a fungus among us. Biblically, yeast was a metaphor for sin, for unbelief, for pride. With Jesus, you will contaminate who he is. You see, if you have sin, if you've got unbelief, if you've got pride, and you try mixing it with who he is, you will get a rise. If you try mixing unbelief, God, I don't think you can, with who he is, with the bread of life, you will have something happen in your life that, that you may seem as fluffed up like, God, this is you, but you don't realize that because of, of your choices that you have made, the sin in your life, that you're not really, you haven't found the true bread. His warning, though, it's not just about yeast. He says, be careful of the yeast of the Pharisees. Whenever he said that, I read that, yeah. What was he talking about? He was talking about the religious system. Be careful with the yeast of religiosity. That's the reason why I quite often make the statement, cross-faith church is not a religious church, it's a relational church. Because religion has, has the, the, the audacity, I guess I would make, they have the audacity or the desire to try and create and fluff up God and create rules and make, make somehow or another, if we, can, if we can put it in a box to where that you'll be okay, then everything will be fine and, and you can live for him whenever I've discovered throughout my life Jesus is enough. Living for God is enough. I don't need to add extra rules that I think would make you make it to heaven. I believe that the word of God and the Bible is enough. Traditions of men. I had a conversation recently with somebody. We can get into traditions that are not biblical. You don't hear me use the word Trinity. You know why? It's not in the Bible. Did y'all know that? The word Trinity is not in the Bible? I don't use that. Why? Because it's not in the Bible. And if, this is my conviction. I'm going to say it out loud for some of you. The reason why I baptize people in Jesus' name and not in the titles, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Why? Because nowhere in the Bible was anybody ever once baptized in the titles, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They were all baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And people say, well, Pastor, are you, are you denying the Trinity? I'm not an idiot. No. I'm sorry, I don't know how a better way to put that. It's not a denial of the Trinity. It's not a denial of the way that he expressed himself. It's an acceptance of the people who stood in front of him whenever he said in Matthew 28, listen to me. Matthew 28, 19. I almost said, I got it mixed up with Jeremiah the other day. The other day, y'all missed this. The other day I was preaching and I said Jeremiah 28, 19 instead of Jeremiah 29, 11. I got Matthew and Jeremiah flipped and nobody caught it except for my wife. <laughs> Jeremiah 29, 11, Matthew 28, 19. He said, baptizing them in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But what happened? All of those men who stood there, when they left, what did they do? They baptized them all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There was an understanding that they had about who he was. And so people say, Pastor, am I going to go to hell? I ain't Jesus. Calm down. I baptize off of conviction. Why? Because that's the way they did it in the Bible. It's pretty simple for me. <laughs> the people that were standing there. We add things. We like to do things. And by the way, if you're interested as to where that came from, look up the Catholic Encyclopedia. 1611 was whenever the Catholic Church went from baptizing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It was something that was created by the Catholic Church. And if they was to be baptized into Catholicism, it was 
tradition that was created by the Catholic Church that was carried on mainly into the Baptist Church. It is not something that started from the beginning of time, for the record. This is something that happened and it was created and tradition picked it up and carried it forward. I looked at it whenever I was a young man and I knew the way I was raised. By the way, I was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ whenever I was a kid. But I got older and I was like, I don't know. Mm. And for the record, if you haven't had your I don't know moment, you need to get in the Word of God. And I'm going to say this because I say it quite often. If you don't like what I say, great, I'm not Jesus. We, we, we seem to think that you come to church and whatever the preacher says, that's, that's, that's 100% right there. Listen to me. I am a human being. I can make mistakes. <laughs> come on, somebody. <laughs> there wouldn't be so much judgment against preachers if people really love the Word of God. <laughs> anyway, don't need to go down that road this morning. His warning, though, it wasn't just about yeast. It's about the Pharisees and their religious system. And then he throws in Herod. If there was ever a time that we needed to talk about Herod, it's 2022. Because the political system, you see, it has, the political system, it has an agenda. Do you know that? The political system, it has an agenda on who and what you should believe, how you should gather, where you should go. Pastor friend of mine, Pastors in Canada, did you know that in Canada they passed a law just last week or week before last so that in church the only way you can come into a church building is to first show a vaccination card. They said that you are not allowed to stand up. They cannot mingle. They cannot gather at the front. He said you must sit separated one from another throughout the sanctuary and you have to show vaccines at the front. Somebody asked him, what are you going to do? He said, we're going strictly to online. Tell me that the politics and that Herod does not have an agenda for the church. Jesus warned this thousands of years ago. And if we do not have a church that's settled that I am going to do the will of God, I'm going to obey the word of God. If we don't have a church that will stand up and say, I don't care how bad it gets. I don't care if Herod tells me what to do or if he doesn't. I'm still going to abide by the word of the Lord. I don't care what tradition says. The word stands firm. I don't care what a president says. I still stand firm on the word of God. I don't care what my neighbor says. I'm still standing firm on the word of God because there's only one thing that will carry me from here into all of eternity, and that is the word of God. It's not somebody. It's not some ideology. It's not some tradition. It's only Jesus and the word that he left us with. It's the word of God. You want to see a little preacher get, get pretty fired up? That's a good way to get me fired up right there. It's the word of God. And I love the word of God. I love the presence of God. I love the anointing of God. And I know whenever I'm preaching and God begins to speak, there's an anointing that comes with it. I don't ever want to bypass the anointing of the Spirit. My schedule's not important enough. I'm going to tell you this, your schedule's not important enough to me either. Amen. I want to give myself a hand for that one. It was good. (laughs) Politics like to add things. Don't go there. Don't do that. Don't say. Don't share that. We fought this with the DCF in looking at what we're going to make changes to the facility here. The reason why we have a religious exemption for our daycare in the back is simply because that that, that if we were to allow the DCF to come in full-blown, we would not be able to use the name of Jesus. We would not be able to share Christianity. Why do we keep these things away? Because God has called me to be godly. Mom and dad, let me tell you something. God has called you to be godly in your home. 
God has called you to be godly in front of your children. That means on Friday night, whenever mom and daddy ain't doing good, he still called you to be godly. You've got to make a decision to keep the yeast of the world out of your home. You've got to make a decision to keep the yeast of, of, of sin out of your life. You've got to make a decision. It's an objective decision. Don't say that. Don't share that. It's done to fluff up and make you feel bigger. The church historically has a habit of creating traditions. Why? So that they can feel like they are stronger, they are in power. This is on me. This is on me. I can tell you whether or not you can go to heaven or hell. If you will do this, if you will live that way, if you'll smell like this, if you won't do this, the church decided that if they can put you in a box, if they can fluff up, if they can add a little religious yeast. Jesus talked about this. Same thing that we do in church. Why is it that he was so hard on Pharisees? It's because Jesus knew that the Pharisees had the first ability to try to fluff up the word of God and try to make themselves look bigger so they could judge. My God, I'm going to tell you this doesn't need a puffed up church. He says, I'm big enough on my own. I can handle myself. God doesn't need a, a puffed up church. I'm big enough to stand up and say, as in Isaiah 43 and 11, I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Jesus doesn't need the Pentecostal church. He doesn't need the Baptist church. He don't need the Catholic church, the Lutheran church. He don't need the Assemblies of God, the United Pentecostals. He don't need the Holiness church. He don't need anybody to fluff him up. Why? Because he says, I, even I am the Lord thy God. And I can stand on my own. The words that I've written, the truth that I've shown, what I have given to you, it's enough to carry you. Changing your world will not happen through your religious works. Changing your world is not going to happen through your political opinion. Believe it or not, who you, whether you're for a donkey or an elephant, both of them, by the way, is pretty goofy, they're pretty, goof, pretty goofy instruments. Why do we have to pick donkeys and elephants? Anyway, it's only going to happen when you choose to bring the true kingdom of God. It only happens... Through the true kingdom. And his kingdom is truth, bread, and life. Look at your neighbor and tell him this. Say simply this. Say the bread is enough. Confused. This is where the disciples are. They're confused. We don't really know. We don't really, we don't really get it. So Jesus says, let's talk about the other bread. Seeing that you guys have missed the spiritual aspect, let's talk about, he says, I had five loaves for 500, what was left? They said 12 baskets. He said, I had seven loaves for 400, and what was left? Seven baskets. And if you're sitting here trying to figure out what the 12 and 7 meant, I think at this point Jesus was saying, hey, look, I want to point something out to you. There was some left over. I did a miracle that was more than enough. Look at your neighbor and say, more than enough. Look at your other neighbor and say, we're going to go from good to great. So Jesus asked them in Mark chapter 8, verse 21, he said to them, do you still not understand? Do you understand the words that's coming out of my mouth? What I love is, is that, she, that he didn't just answer. Jesus, he didn't just answer because they all knew the answer. They just needed to remember. I want to tell you something. What you're looking for in your life what you're praying for, that God would, God would really, he would, he would bring my family together, that he would give, there, would, there would be a wholeness. There would be a holiness. It's not that, that God hasn't done it for you. It's that at some point you have forgotten. 
It's the attitude of gratitude that we've walked away from. Uh, We've forgotten to appreciate what God has already done. And we've remembered the things that we should have forgotten. And we've forgotten the things that we should remember. We live in a world that is looking for the flesh of Jesus. And I asked my wife to put this meme up. If y'all don't know what a meme is, it's these these fancy little deals. This this is something that's really popular right now online. It says, do y'all ever wish... God would just walk into the room and sit down on your bed and be like, okay, so this is what you should do. Or is it just me? Anybody here ever felt like that? Let me tell you why that's popular and why you feel that way. Because the flesh of who Jesus is appeals to you, but the God of who he is does not. I would be okay if he would just sit down and tell me this is for you, but I'm really not interested in him coming in and really changing my life. I want him to give me guides. You should go this way. You should, instead of looking at the word of God and saying, thus saith the word of the Lord. Come on, somebody else ought to clap because that's good preaching right there. We're much more interested in the flesh of Jesus than we are the principles of a godly God who says this is the way that it is and I am unchanging yesterday, today, and forever. We want to change it with politics. We want to change it with religion. I just needed to remember it's a popular meme. We want God to appeal to our flesh. We want, him, we, want to, we want the comfort of our flesh to be comforted by the personification of Jesus. We want community with something that is tangible. Community with something that can speak to us. We're not willing to accept the God in Jesus. We're only willing to accept the flesh of Jesus. The only reason he came in flesh was simply this. To die. Thought about that? Why did he come? He came to die. And I believe that we live in a world today that has a bad conception of why you were here. You know something? You're here to die. Pastor, that's a little morbid. It's appointed on a man who wants to live. After that, what happens? You don't live forever. You're not going to live forever. It's appointed unto you a period of time of which that that, that you are here on earth. And after that, it's the same reason why Jesus came was to die is the same reason. But the difference is is he gives you a choice. 2022, what are you going to do? What to do in 22? I ought to make that a theme this year. (laughs) That country is cornbread. What to do in 22? I don't know, Lord. We want him to appeal to our flesh. He only came to die. The only reason why you're here is to die. Look at your neighbor and tell him this. Give him a little reality check. Say, you will die. You know religion can't stop it. Political opinion can't stop it. Donkeys and elephants can't, can't stop it. You're going to die, for the record. If, I, if you beat me, I might even preach your funeral. I told a guy recently. Working with a young man. Told him this. I said, look. I said, on Sunday, I dress up church somewhat. I'm not big on ties. I feel like I'm being choked by a weak little person. But <laughs> I don't like neckties for the record. But I said, I said you know, I, 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 I can help you out of the circumstances you're in, or I can preach a funeral. I'm going to tell you all something this morning. Maybe some of you all need a reality check. 
I can love you, and I can preach to you, and I can also preach a funeral. It's pointed unto you once you live, and after that, the judgment is coming. And that was not my intention, of, really, for this sermon. But maybe there's somebody here that needs to hear that. You're living in a shell that's going to break down. You can't keep it alive forever. God heal me. God heal me. Maybe God's plan is not to heal you. Maybe God's plan is, is that, that he gets you in a position to where you actually talk to him. God, my life's a mess. Maybe that mess is needed. God didn't heal. He didn't heal my mess. Maybe that mess is the only thing keeping you in communication with him. And God says, you know what? I got a better intention and plan. You're asking for healing. You're asking for healing here on earth, but I need you to be healed so that your eternity can be spent with me. Paul, Paul understood the assignment in Romans chapter 2, verse 4. He said, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? We, we, we want, we want the, the, the judgment of God, and we want, we want pain. But what would happen if we remembered? And then the kindness of God became the thing that drove us to repentance. Dad made a comment last week. He said, I don't know anybody who won the lottery and said, Pastor, I'm so rich, I need to come to church. <laughs> Why? Because we forget the blessings. We remember curses. Since I've been here, one person has stood out front and cursed this church. True statement. 5,000 people. I ain't telling you, that's, a, that's an exaggeration. Probably 150 people have come and complimented. I can quote the words of the one person. Why? Because we seem to forget the kindness of God, what God's done. Do me a favor. If God has ever done anything for you in your life, would you just ease your hand up? Look around right quick. If God's ever done anything for you, put your hand back down. The kindness, the truth of who he is. Good equals gravity, but great equals gratitude. How do I go from good to great? If you're good, you can have gravity. I know where I'm at. This is who I am. There's gravity in good, but, but to be great takes gratitude. I'm good. I'm grounded in my reality. It is what it is. I'm okay. I'm doing good. But I want to tell you something good is not enough. God's intention and plan for your life is not just good. It's not just for you to be grounded in where you're at. Not financially, not spiritually, not emotionally. God's intention is not for you just to be okay. It's not for you just to be good. I'm great. When you say the words, I'm great, there is exuberance. There is excess. Gratitude is not found in expectation. It's found in remembrance. When you remember, Jesus didn't try and God them. God them, I put it in quotation, into belief. He didn't try to God them. He brought. He brought to their remembrance what he had already done. What did he say? He said, you remember the 5,000 fish? Yeah. You remember the 4,000? Yeah. You remember there was leftovers? Yeah. So I want you to remember. I'm not trying to look at you and say, thus saith the word of the Lord. Some people here this morning, you've been waiting on something. You've been asking God for something, and you're waiting for God to speak into it and just change everything. Let me tell you something. God has an intention and a plan for your life, and it's for you to stop first and remember what he's already done. How do I build my faith whenever I stop and say, God, you know what I remember? I remember that time whenever I was eating out of a dry cereal box, didn't have a fork or a spoon, sitting in the floor 
in Lawton, Oklahoma, drunk, messed up, asking myself whether or not I should go buy heroin. I remember. I remember whenever I was so broke that I would put on a military, my military uniform and I would go over to the Tradoc side and pull off all my patches just so I could have lunch because my life was a mess. I remember, remember what it was to sleep in my truck. Kept a, a needle kit next to me in a Tommy Hilfiger bag. Looked like it had ink pens in it. Kept syringes loaded. I remember. I remember. I remember. You say, that's not blessings? No. I remember the day they got out of a bathtub full of ice water. I stood up, walked out of the bathroom, and I remember the day that I made the decision I will never go back again. I remember then whenever God began to talk to me and he said the same call of God that I had on your life whenever you had a needle in your arm you still got boy. Get up and go do something for me. Then I remembered Matthew 28 19. I remembered Acts 2 38. I remembered John 3 16. I began to remember scriptures. Well, I remember the words that God had spoke to me from the time that I was a child to tell me that I was not a product of my past but he had a purpose for my future. I remember the blessings and the next thing you know God sends me this beautiful young lady on the front row right here I remember when my children were born and I held them and I said God I promise you I promise you I promise you I'll raise them in the fear and admonition of your word I've got a past but you've got a purpose I remember the moment that I made up my mind that I was going to live for God because I'm going to have children who act and live in what God created them to do. I remember because every night whenever I lay my hands on my children's head, I say, God, let this be a child who acts according to their creation, God. Let them be a child of worship. May Matthew 28, 19, may Acts 2, 38, may Deuteronomy 6 and 4, may John 3, 16 be the mantra of their life. Why? Because I remember remember what it was to be the guy with no hope and no future and then to turn around and say God I've got a future and I've got hope and it's in you and it's in your word it's not in religion it's not in the yeast of the world that would fluff up it's not in what the, the, the documents it's not, in, it's not in what the political system would tell me God I don't care what they say I want to listen to you I want to listen to your word because there's going to come a day it's appointed unto me to live and then to die and after that the judgment I can't carry dope with me to a throne room. I can't carry lying with me to a throne room. I can't carry, I can't carry my past with me to a throne room. Because what's seen and what's unseen are going to be seen there at the same time. And God, I need you whenever I stand before you to say, well done. If there's anything this little preacher's looking for, but God looked at me and said, hey, bud, you had a rough row, but guess what? Well done. Good. Faithful servant. I don't want God to have to lie when he looks at me and says, faithful. Anybody here other than me, you ever feel like you say, how in the world can you look at me and say, faithful, God, I'm so up, I'm so down, I'm so in, I'm so out, I fight so much garbage the back of my head. Is it just me? How can I be faithful, Lord? And tell you something. Y'all come on back. You play. Just if they can play the synth behind me, baby.
you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, there's no way that I can have God look at me and say you're faithful. Let me tell you something that you may not know anything about, and it's about the grace of God. There's a difference in grace and mercy. Did you know that? There's a difference in grace and mercy. The grace of God and the mercy of God are two different things. The grace of God is when he loves you right where you're at, but the mercy of God is whenever you're standing before him and he says, I know what you did, but I want to give you mercy. You were faithful in the little things because you were faithful in the little things. Tell you something, no matter how, where you go in church, pastoring, preaching, did you know that I still sin? There's still things in my life that I don't like. I told my wife one time a while back, I said, you know, I don't like my own personality. I believe that. You know why, men? Because my personality, type A, we make good cops, I'm told. I met a lot of them. I went the opposite direction. I gave cops a good reason to have a good job. (laughs) The mercies of God. Some of y'all here, you were raised in church, raised around church. You were taught to love God at some point, in some way. Your faithfulness. God, how do I go from good to great? Let's all stand. How do I go from good to great? It's simply like this. I remember. I remember goodness. If you hear this morning, you say, Pastor, I need the grace. I need the mercy of God. Maybe you're here and you're deathly afraid of dying. I'm going to tell you something. In 2022, in a new year, you have the ability to make the biggest change the biggest change to your future the biggest change to your future whenever you say God my pride's not enough how I identify myself you need a product in who he is and that's a product of love. If you're here this morning, you say, God, I don't know what it is. I've forgotten what it is to really feel loved. God wants to love you. He wants to love you like you've never been loved before. Would everybody across the room just lift your hands for just a moment? Just lift your hands. For just a moment, if you would do me a favor, if you would just I want everybody in your own way to thank God tell him thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you for what you've done